Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. everybody, Chad Madden here with the Grow Your Practice podcast, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Mark Callanan. Mark is uh, not only a physical therapist, he's also the Director of Marketing and Clinical Research for Chattanooga. Uh, if you've been to any of the breakthrough events, um, you've also seen him with uh, Lightforce, uh, Donjoy. It's all part of one big happy family that I'm going to let Mark uh, explain to us exactly what that means, but welcome to the podcast here, Mark. Thanks, Chad. Yeah, we, uh, as many of you now know, we were life force. When I say we were acquired by Don Joy slash Chattanooga uh, in December of 2020. So as of 2021, like we just alluded to, we're one big happy family. So there's a lot of, of brands that are involved. DJO is kind of the parent company. Chattanooga is that trusted partner that I'm sure many of you have a piece of that equipment somewhere in your in your clinic, uh, you know, classic tables, hydroculators, things of that nature. And then, you know, the the desire was to sort of let's start moving into a higher tech side of the rehab space, which is why they looked into grabbing light force and um, as well as shockwave technologies, which are great for health, handling soft tissue problems and chronic tendinopathy. So uh, my job is to help explain how that stuff works for the average clinician so that they know how to put it on a patient and get a great outcome. So, yeah. Great. Yeah. What, one of my uh, quick share, one of my first large purchases was uh, a high-low table, Chattanooga high-low table market was such a, being a manual therapist, and I believe this was 2007, 2007, 2008. And I just remember how much it was saving my back, my knees, my hips, and everything else just having this high-low table and, uh, and how proud I was <laughs> when that was delivered. It was great. So a um, couple things to uh, talk with you here about, but I, I think what is most timely right now for those of us um, in, in private practice in general is this uh, Medicare cut declining reimbursement that it, it we're facing here in 2022. And I know when I'm talking with uh, private practice PT owners, um, functional medicine, chiropractic, podiatry, et cetera, and they're looking at um, that downward pressure, we also have the upward pressure because there appears to be significant inflation um, in the last 12 months. We have upward pressure on employment expenses, space expenses. I know now for us to look at a de novo clinic to build out, it was $50,000. Now it's $150,000. So construction costs have tripled. Um, so we have that upward pressure and we're constantly trying to balance you know, our, our profitability and I know um, many of us, uh, especially in the PT world, we just kind of write off cash pay services. It's against our um, nature a little bit. And I know, um, you know, in our experience working together, um, specifically with Lightforce and Lightforce Laser implementing that in here, gave us a, a $6 per visit uh, bump um, in, in terms of a cash pay rate, which was very much needed as we're trying to mitigate everything um, for next year. So my question to you is, what do you see, how do you see practice owners planning ahead for 2022? And um, how are they planning on using the cash pay services? You mentioned Shockwave or Light Force lasers, et cetera, in terms of uh, mitigating that, that decline. Yeah, so just to be clear, I think, Chad, when you say a $6 increase per visit, that's across the board for your net revenue per visit. So it's not that you're charging six bucks for the laser, is that correct? Uh, 
That is correct. That is an average increase in revenue per visit for the 20,000 or so clinical visits we, we see each quarter. So for those managers, owners out there that are you know, scratching their head to just try to increase that number by a few dollars, you know, which is not an easy thing to do, um, a heavy you know, hitting device program like a, a laser or a dry needling or shockwave can really help move the needle in that because of the outcomes it can generate. But um, you know, it's, it's important to understand that because I hear it all the time, people start thinking about, oh, I'm gonna implement a program and the first person that will come to mind is that patient that is uh, not wanting to purchase a piece of TheraBand from you, you know, and they're like, don't want to make their copay. And they're like, there's no way I can do this with everybody. And the nice end of the story is that everybody doesn't have to do it. <laughs> it's not for every patient. Um, it's something that you're going to uh, recommend and offer to your patients as on an as needed basis. And the people that you feel are good candidates, you're going to explain um, why that they are good candidates and why it will help them and then let them make the decision. So I'm sure we'll get into more of that here down the road, but I would just say that's a mental block that a lot of people have as soon as they start thinking about a program is that they have to be able to wash it over every patient that walks in their door. That is not the case at all. Um, the nice thing when you start talking about laser, for those of you that don't know, it's impacting cellular metabolism. So it can really help almost every patient that walks in. If you have somebody that's coming in with pain, um, laser is a good choice. You know, it's going to help. And uh, Chad, I'm sure, can tell a few stories about some people that he's worked with and how quickly it can move the needle. Um, and that's really the power of high power laser in the outpatient setting is that you can move pain needles by no, no joke, 50% or more in a three to five minute treatment, depending on the equipment you have, um, which is a super powerful tool. So, you want to tell a story or two, Chad, that backs that up? Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 2017, uh, I'm thinking it was April. Uh, we were in San Diego. It was the first time that I had met the Light Force team. And uh, I had, when I was sick, um, had flu like symptoms. Um, it was pretty rough because I think we had like 260 some odd people registered for the <laughs> event. It was brutal. And uh, so had that. And then I think I fell asleep on the plane and had pretty wicked um, left sided neck and, and shoulder pain. I remember um, talking with uh, the Light Force team, and they said, "Well, you know, let's do a treatment." And we recorded it, and the you, you know there was an immediate effect. Not only you know did my pain diminish, I think I had said on the video that I was like a seven or eight out of ten down to a two, and I was rotating to the left. But I also had a huge improvement, nearly doubled my, my range. Then uh, the co-founder of Breakthrough, Carl. Um, also at the event was having uh, back pain. Uh, and so, and this is what really did it for me. So not only did I feel it, but I had treated Carl um, and it was a, a lumbosacral issue. Um, it was chronic and he had uh, basically eaten dirt uh, while he was surfing um, the, the week before and was having a lot of trouble. So I'm trying to move him. He was super limited in flexion, couldn't even like uh, get to like his, uh, Patel, like couldn't touch his kneecaps. And uh, it was a, I think a five minute treatment with the light force. And then literally he touched the ground immediately after that. And I was like, wow, there's something to this is their research. So I know you sent some articles over. Um, I, I think one or two of these I, I had read before, but can you talk a little bit um, and let's just stay on laser for a second. Can you talk a little bit about 
how, um, like what, what's going on? You know, yes, it decreases pain. Yes, it in, increases um, uh, healing rates. Mm -hmm. But how's it doing? What's going on with, with laser? Yeah. So there's sort of three buckets to think about. And we'll, we'll get back to how this all relates to you making a few extra dollars in your clinic. But I think it's a good point that Chad brings up. Let's really understand some of the mechanisms. So if you can just think about inflammation, tissue healing, and, and pain as sort of three separate buckets, it has the ability to impact all these things. So from the pain standpoint, the, the thing high power laser can do, which is a little bit more unique than if you're familiar with using class 3B or lower power lasers, um, they've, they've shown in the recent research that if you get enough light energy or what they refer to as a radiance, which is truly a power density, watts per centimeter squared or milliwatts per centimeter squared on a peripheral nerve, you can actually slow down conduction velocities, compound action potentials. You can reduce the pain signal that's coming from the site. So you smack your hammer on your thumb, it hurts. Uh, you treat the thumb and the nerve path from the thumb up to your neck with the laser, and you're essentially slowing down that message. So uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, and they, what they show when you look at a light micrograph, if you took a peripheral nerve and shot lidocaine on it, you get all these little changes, these neuroplastic changes that they call varicosities that form. And the cool thing is that when you splash enough light on it, the same neuroplastic change takes place. They look very similar, which is pretty interesting. So you can get different stimulus that creates the same sort of change, and they both uh, have an impact on the nerves, you know, pain telling story. So from that standpoint, that's one of the real powerful uh, tools that that you can gain in your outpatient practice by having a high power laser is that you can truly create analgesic effects that will last anywhere from 18 to 36 hours, depending on how superficial the nerve is and how much energy you put in. Um, but when I say that, almost always clinicians go, oh, so it's a short-term sort of parlor trick, right? But the nice thing is that beyond that, it also is helping with general inflammatory issues. So it has the ability to impact a lot of different intermediaries in the inflammatory cascade, which can quiet down inflammation pretty quickly. So you have that swollen joint, you know, that's post-surgical or they just sprain an ankle. You can treat them with the laser with the right dosing. And you'll notice significant changes in that edema um, within hours. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we have a lot of these light push products in the pro and division one college settings. And I don't know how many of you have watched, you know, an athlete go down with a sprained ankle and you think about what you see in the clinic normally, and you're probably thinking, oh boy, that's going to take two to three weeks to get that person to be able to possibly practice again. And then lo and behold, you'll see them on the court playing three days later, you know, so part of the magic on how they do this is having devices like the laser that can really accelerate that healing process, getting them from that inflammatory phase into a proliferative stage much quicker because of its impact on the mitochondria. So at the basic mechanistic standpoint to Chad's question is it has the ability to impact mitochondrial function. So basically it's tuning up and turning up metabolism in the cell, which allows more ATP to get produced, which allows a lot of different things to improve as far as the cell to divide, or fibroblasts to lay down more collagen, um, a lot of different things with the inflammatory cascade, all these things that help the body heal. Um, so it's very powerful for the use on strains and sprains, um, get that tissue to basically rebuild and scar down more healthily and stronger. You know, they've done studies where they've looked at hamstring strains and treated it with the laser, and they've shown that, you know, the, the tensile strength is better, you know, after the laser than those folks that didn't get treated. And it's just due to better blood flow to the area, um, better fibroblastic 
you know, activity to lay down new scar tissue. So pretty exciting stuff. And, you know, that's on the nuts and bolts in the musculoskeletal place. But I mean, when you start looking at the, the sort of the edges of the research with laser, you know, they're, they're looking at stuff flashing into the brains, um, things that are cortical in nature, you know, they're, they're treating depression, uh, post-traumatic stress, things of that nature, and getting pretty decent results. I've just recently heard of some um, studies being done with kids with autism, and it's actually working. So it sounds like, oh, that's yeah, all science fiction. But when you think about it, you're just creating an impact on cells and their ability to do their job, um, the applications are pretty vast. So um, you're only going to hear more and more about light-related therapies um, as time goes on because they're starting to see, you know, it's not so much a matter of does it work now, it's just a matter of what's the right dosing, what's the right parameters to make it work for that tissue type. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting to see what's coming out. Awesome. So the yesterday I was having a conversation with a friend. She's coming in. She has long-term knee osteoarthritis. Um, she is do, she's seeing one of our therapists here. Um, and she just by chance happened to say, hey, by the way, when I do the, the uh, laser before therapy, it, my treatment goes a lot better. And uh, so, and this is somebody who literally is on the verge of surgery. So yes, you know, we're doing all the manual stuff. It's in the research, meniscus reduction. She's having uh, pelvic mobilizations, all that. And so this is coming from her. She said, hey, by the way, what is the laser doing? Now, I did not go uh, mitochondrial excitation. I started to say photobiomodulation. And then I just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a big step back, um, but uh, yeah, just, and, and I was like, I was trying to explain, you know, what, what was going on, but I said, basically, um, it's, it's exciting the cell and, and speeding up healing. So right now, Mark, you just had mentioned, you know, primarily in acute care or in acute um, injury settings um, is, is the main thing. Before we get into uh, shockwave and, and chronic tendonitis or, um, and we're talking about that, um, or tendinopathy, can you quickly just for everybody clarify the difference between cold laser, which is everywhere here in central Pennsylvania, in terms of our competition, a ton of people advertising cold laser and, uh, you know, the 40 watt laser that we have in our clinics, um, and that you're, um, that you really specialize in with, with, uh, with light force. Yeah. So, Let's dive into that question you just had about the knee arthritic patient. So yeah. um, what the light force laser can do or a class four high power laser can do is that it has your target tissue with a swollen joint is generally the synovium. So you're trying to impact that in a couple of different ways. A, lots of nerves in that synovial tissue. So if you can basically create that blocking effect I was just explaining on that capsule, you know, all of a sudden that person can bend their knee a lot easier with a lot less pain. So that can really lead to some pretty dramatic functional change um, for a session in the clinic, which is a huge win. The second piece is it's gonna improve um, circulation in that synovium, which is gonna help with just the general inflammatory environment that's in that joint space. So they've shown sometimes if it's real chronic OA, it takes you know a handful of treatments over about a two week span to really impact the cytokines that are in the joint space, but it can be a great management tool for this reason by sort of bringing down that inflammatory process in the joint space to manage it. And, um, you know, for somebody who's really has a lot of comorbidities or isn't a great candidate for surgery, it can really help 
push the pause button. Um, I read a study a few years ago where they took 100 people, 50 of them got standard therapy, the other 50 got therapy and laser. And then they looked at what was the rate that uh, they went on to get a total knee uh, arthroplasty. And of the group that got the laser, it was like two or three. And the group that got none was like 11. So it was a pretty small sample size, but it was a significant difference in the people that had to go on to get you know, more invasive surgery. So um, there is a place as a management tool for it. Um, but when you start talking about class three, class four, cold laser, the term cold laser, it's sort of a junk term when you really are in the, in the laser space. Photobiomodulation, which Chad nailed, uh, is, is the accepted term now for this technology. So anything that's going to have light that impacts cells, that's the right term. If you're looking for studies, that's the right um, mesh header to be using. And that incorporates laser and LED light sources for this. So um, when you think about, well, what's the huge differentiator between the high power and the low power other than cost, because it's usually quite a bit more expensive to get a high power laser, um, the, that pain blocking phenomena that we were just describing, you have to have a lot of power density to make that happen at nerves that are even just a few millimeters below the surface of the skin. So that ability to have somebody go from like chat experience from seven to two in a three or four minute treatment, you have to have a lot of power to make that happen. Now, can you make inflammation come down in a joint? Can you make tissue heal with a low power laser, you know, to help with general circulation and impact the inflammatory cascade? Yes, you can. Um, but that generally isn't gonna be the quick, aha, that really helped. So it will help, but it's one of those, you gotta trust me, it did something and I'll, we'll compare notes in two days kind of thing. And we know that the impact with a patient if you're having that discussion, it's a very different discussion than if you do something, whether it's a manipulative move or a dry needle where you get a twitch response or provide the laser and all of a sudden you've made a significant impact in their pain today, you now are in a very different seat when you're talking to that patient um, about if, if say this is a service that has a cash dollar amount attached to it, it's gonna connect dots a lot differently than if you're saying, hey, I just did this thing, let's wait 48 hours and see what happens. Um, and, I, and I think Chad can probably speak to that with his staff, with what he sees. You don't have to be a genius and to apply these tools, but once you understand the basics of dosing and how to apply it and how to set power and what have you, you can regularly get these really nice results from a, a visit or two. Um, and it can really change the conversation when you're talking about cash you know, for that service. Yeah, the um, quick note that I had here was uh, just to talk about indications. Um, so far, we've met, mentioned uh, NEOA. Um, we have seen it work um, very well in uh, many acute, uh, acute pain cases. Also, um, we've used it on um, chemo-induced neuropathy uh, with a very high success rate and the, the Again, this was a family friend um, who had reached out, who had heard that we had um, the, the 40 watt, the high powered laser. And uh, she had done the research, pancreatic cancer, um, going through, I, I believe she gets a chemo dose every three weeks. That, mm. I, I think that's what it is. And she would have neuropathy afterwards. And you know, to her, it was a lifesaver because she could walk immediately same day following the treatments where prior to that, she would lose um, basically all ambulation for, for several days. So um, we've seen it work in some 
pretty cool cases, unique cases. Is there anything else, um, Mark, that we're missing there that you're seeing it work really well? You, you mentioned, uh, you know, light use and PTSD, et cetera. Is there anything else that for therapists, podiatrists, functional med, chiropractic care that you see um, clinicians using it for? Yeah, so just piggybacking on the neuropathy uh, example you just gave, we participated in a study just a couple of years ago with diabetic neuropathy, so different mechanism, but same peripheral neuropathy uh, complaints um, and used a, a graduated protocol using the laser to tra basically trace the path of the sole of the foot all the way up to the popliteal space and then in treating the low back as well to try to get cell bodies involved with dorsal root ganglia. Um, it had really nice results. We were looking at three specific biomarkers that were related to inflammation uh, that are associated with, with peripheral neuropathy. And we, there was a significant change in one of those three with use of the laser, in addition to better function, better pain results, uh, and things of that nature. So showing mechanistic differences, so pretty cool stuff. Um, I think the thing is, is that the way it works for the, the peripheral nerve is that it improves blood flow to it, which is a, a number one thing that happens with the diabetic population. They have really poor blood flow to these nerves. Um, one of the mechanisms is thought that sorbitol accumulates around the nerve, which is very toxic, and that with better blood flow, better oxygenation, it can actually get changed back to glucose and be absorbed into the system. So, um, better growth factors, better axonal sprouting as a result of that for these peripheral nerve injuries, which can really help heal some of the pathology depending on how severe it is. Uh, I say that with an asterisk because if that person's diabetic, you know, overall program is not being managed well with diet and their meds and things of that nature, you know, the laser is not going to solve that. So in a, in a well-formed program for those patients, adding that to the uh, equation can really help maybe take them to a different place, which is exciting. So um, diabetic neuropathy is a huge problem in this country and it's not gonna go away. So most people in the clinic are trying to treat it with just doing you know, functional things with balance or possibly some you know, desensitization techniques or things, but they're really not getting at the heart of the pathology. So introducing a laser into that equation can help you really start to treat, you know, the tissue that's involved, which is pretty cool. Um, but to your latter question, I, th I think the thing that's most confusing is that when you have a high power laser on your skin, you feel warmth. <clears throat> so, you know, people go back to thinking about when they learned about modalities in school and they go, well, you know, if it's hot, you know, you can't use it on something that's acute, you know, want to use cold, right? So I spend a lot of time coaching folks up on that because what you're really doing is just trying to accelerate metabolism. So it doesn't matter if it's acute or chronic, you can use it on both. It's just the dosing that changes because the amount of energy you need to put into something that's acute is different than what you need to put into something that's chronic, which tends to be more. So once you get over that hurdle of like, huh, you know, I can treat something acute with a, with a warming uh, modality, uh, you're halfway there. So uh, I, I did a, a little case report on myself. I had a medial meniscus address last year and it was my own little case study. So I didn't touch my knee with ice. I, I took Advil for, I believe two to three days after the surgery. Um, but I of course went against doctor's orders and ripped off all the dressings. You know, like I'll leave it in place for a week. I was like, this is gonna go today. So I stripped it all down so I could get exposed skin and started treating my knee with my laser uh, right out of the gate and uh, had significant reduction in my inflammation within you know, a day or two, I was walking around uh, the afternoon of my surgery with minimal pain and uh, was walking around. No, I never had an assistive device. 
uh, during the entire thing and was pretty much walking around and was back at the gym within three days uh, doing some basic stuff. So uh, I, I wrote it up and I, I provided the chat so we could check it out. But uh, pictures don't lie. You know, I, I took some pictures just to show, you know, how it progressed. But um, it, it worked out pretty well, you know. Yeah, awesome. So uh, the, yeah, quick share on that one as well. Um, I have, so I'm halfway to 90 now, just past my uh, the mid forties. We're on the back nine now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, and I pretend like uh, I should still be uh, on the wrestling mat, you know, going to grappling jujitsu um, three mornings a week. I have no idea what I'm doing there, but I, I love it. And uh, there are many times where shoulder, elbow, knee, hip, um, that I will come in on a Sunday evening and just uh, do the same thing. Yeah, I'm case study on myself, uh, just, to, just to get the inflammation down so I can get out of bed Monday morning at, at 520. But uh, um, yeah, completely with you there. there uh, so indications, you mentioned a few. The other one uh, that I've seen that we have, um, oh, who was it in here? Um, something about, I, I believe it was one of our team members, their son had uh, some sort of laceration. And I think they worked directly with you. I think uh, one of our therapists worked directly with you. It was a year or two ago. And mm -hmm. the, the healing rate was uh, expedited tremendously. Just so can you talk about that, um, the, the utilization there? Yeah. So the more superficial the problem is, the easier it is for a laser to help it. So when you have like wound care, uh, laser, uh, some of the first research that was done with laser, and it's very, a lot of different types of lasers can help with that because when you're dealing with stuff that's right on the surface of the skin, um, you just have to kind of be close and you'll get a good outcome with it. So um, yeah, super low power needed because you don't want to heat up that epithelial tissue because it can be damaged pretty easily. Um, but yeah, with, with minimal dose, you'll see significant changes in your post-op um, scarring and things of that nature. Um, treatments only usually last 20, 30 seconds, so they're very small for just the wound itself. Um, but anyway, that's for you to decide how to handle that in the clinic as far as billing for that service. You know, when you're dealing with a post-op situation, you're going to be treating the entire joint to help with the inflammation, and then you're going to treat the incisions with a slightly different setting on, on the machine. But um, I, I think it's hard. I, I kind of jumping around. I know as far as indications, and those are great questions, but like basically anything that's an itis, or an osis in the body, you know, from a tendon, um, it's going to help that. Muscle strains, it's going to help that. Any kind of synovitis, it's going to help that. Um, neuritis, nerve pain type things, any kind of pain situation that's got muscle guarding, spasm, things of that nature, it's going to help you with managing that. So um, it's a very broad tool. And the thing is, once you understand it and appreciate how it can be applied, it really has a place for almost every patient that walks in your door, you know, and I, and I say that because I don't like leading with that because as soon as you say that people start rolling their eyes like, oh brother. But I mean, if you think about, you know, trying to treat pain and inflammation and uh, soft tissue injuries, that's what most of us are doing, you know, with the majority of the people that we see. So um, Let, let's invert. Um, what, what are the contraindications? When can't we use it? Yeah. So the biggies would be Pregnant moms, you know, uh, over their uh, abdomen, low back, SI joint area, you wouldn't want to do that. Um, active tumor for cancer, um, it can be used once they've, you know, are they are they're deep cancer free or they're going through chemo. Uh, there is like your patient you had, you can use those folks with the, you know, being on the same team with the oncologist to 
make sure that everybody's on the same page and the patient understands, you know, the small amount of risks. They've done studies, they've put light on different metastatic type tumors and it's shown that it didn't increase their uh, the metastasis. So it's, it's, uh, it's pretty well documented, but like for folks that have had uh, breast cancers and they're having pain in their shoulder afterwards and limited range, it's been shown to really help with that type of problem, you know, sort of a secondary problem to those uh, mastectomy patients and things of that nature. Lymphedema, you know, they're having swelling treating the lymph nodes and things of that nature and the better circulation helps with those patients as well. So you certainly can use it with post-cancer patients. It's just, if you had somebody with a melanoma, you wouldn't want to go right after that, obviously. Um, but growth plates for children. So distal long bones, you want to be careful. Um, a little bit of a wives tale as far as it, you know, they've never done a study that said, oh, if you treat over a growth plate, it's going to cause a leg length problem, but that's sort of the fear of it. So um, you'd want to treat around that. Uh, it comes into play when you're dealing with Osgood Slaughter's or Seaver's syndromes. Those are the most common uh, growth plate type issues with kids. So you wouldn't want to treat directly over those uh, for that problem, but you could treat surrounding soft tissue inflammation that was related to it. Um, other than that, you can treat the nice thing about laser, you can treat right over metal. So, like if you have a total joint, it's not like ultrasound or some of the other you know, magnetic type devices, you can't do it around metal. There's no problem with the laser, just going to light's going to bounce off of that. But we do recommend not treating over implanted um, stimulators or uh, pacemakers, things of that nature. Again, if it's metal, it's probably going to bounce off of it. But some, the the small, small chance that there was a dark lead wire, something that could possibly warm up, that would be the fear. And it's more of a CYA thing. You know, if something were to happen to that pump, you wouldn't want to be part of the story as to what might have caused it. So by just treating around that and avoiding that, you will be out of that discussion, which um, is, is recommended. But other than that, it's pretty much it. You know, I mean, you can treat it almost everybody uh, with it, which is great. I, I, I forgot about the story, but uh, I had one adverse reaction ever, which was a wrist issue. Um, and a female patient, she had a tattoo on her wrist and uh, she started, it was, it was kind of an odd response. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, she started jumping and I said, what's going on for you? And she said, it feels like I'm getting shocked. And I said, okay, fair enough. And we stopped. Um, it, yeah, but uh, so tattoos, my guess would be depending on, uh, so is there any validity to that? What, what I Yes, so I think with the ink that's used, there's certain inks that have more metal content and those will get hot really easily. So, and it's hard to say, I've heard like, oh, it's the old ink versus the new ink. I think there's just certain pigments that they use. There's more metal in it. So you have to be careful of that. Generally, it's just like anything dark, it's going to absorb more light. So that you have to, A, usually go at a little lower power, move a little bit faster over the space. We have a setting on the light force equipment that you can change the skin tone that changes our wavelength uh, it, it mix internally, which also helps with that problem. So if you know how to manage it, you can usually treat that. But um, there's still those folks that are just, they're, they're too hypersensitive, especially in areas with high nerve density, like in a wrist or a hand, that's going to be even more challenging. Um, and the, the one last thing for a contraindication I was going to mention is uh, patients that are on photosensitive meds, antibiotics are a biggie. So you want to ask your patients that because they'll be more at risk of having a reddish sunburn type reaction to the uh, laser. So um, you'd want to take that into account and... Uh, use lower power and make sure that the patient was aware of that risk. Uh, for kids, Accutane is another common one that you'd want to be aware of because that's a sensitizer as well. Fair enough. Um, it was definitely old ink, Mark. 
was it? Okay. Guaranteed. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that that makes a lot of sense because I remember like mentally, t- and I can still picture the the tattoo. It was flower, and it had uh, leaves. Yeah. So anyhow, we're good there. Um, With a sagging flower. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I want to ask you some questions about uh, shockwave and its use with uh, tendinopathy. Before we get into that, um, there's usually something that gets in the way with either uh, laser or shockwave. You talked about it before, and I want to do a deeper dive into it. And it's that clinicians, maybe minus the chiropractic community, in general, we suck at selling. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to sound dramatic, but I I think it deserves attention because most of us are not... uh, it feels awkward. I've watched it myself. I've been through it early in my career. Um, and I know uh, we've had owners, uh, especially with Light Force, there was massive adoption of uh, laser therapy within the breakthrough community um, and the physical therapy community in general. And can you talk about, uh, I'm thinking about the Bocce method, which I know that you know, can you think about ways that you've seen um, physical therapists or any clinician, frankly, adopt uh, the laser technology, use it as a cash pay service in an insurance-based clinic and um, where they had massive wide adoption and it was wildly successful, what were they doing? How do we do this? So if I'm listening to this, I don't have a laser, um, I don't have shockwave, I wanna add cash pay services. What are those clinicians doing? What are they saying in a way, in a presentation um, how do, how are they presenting it to the patient in a way that they're, that it doesn't feel too salesy? Yeah. Well, if you, you ask the average healthcare person about, you know, selling, they're going to remind you that sell is a four letter word. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it. You know, they don't realize that any good clinician that has great compliance to their plans of care, it's their salesmanship on the front end of that. You're selling yourself. You know, that patient's sitting there looking you up and down going, does this person know what they're talking about? Are they going to be able to help me? Do they understand my problem? Why I'm here? How much pain I'm in? Is what they're telling me, you know, on how they're going to address this really hitting home? And I would argue, you know, if you want to have a forecast on who's going to have a tough time selling a cash modality in your clinic, just look at your clinician in your practice that has the highest cancellation rate. You know, if you want a uh, a K key indicator on who's going to struggle it's that person because the person who has a high cancellation rate basically is not doing a great job connecting with their patient and they're not engaging with them and really getting them bought into their plan of care laser no laser whatever just however they're going to help that person so whenever i have to come into a practice and kind of assess and help owners out that's usually the first question i ask who's got your highest cancellation rate and then the second question is are they having trouble with the laser and it's without fail yeah that's one of them it's like right so um that being said, I mean, the, the sort of the secret sauce in having a cash pay program, it's the device is important in getting outcomes, and that's certainly not to be uh, belittled, but it really starts on day one, you know, when the, you meet that patient, are you connecting with them? Are you listening to their story? Are you finding out what their goals are? And then are you incorporating your plan of care to address those? I mean, it's a big blind spot I used to have when I was treating patients, you know, I was so confident with my own plan of care and my own problem list that I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I know you're having problems, but you know, if we take care of these magic five things that I found, then you're going to be great. But I'm sure I lost a lot of patients along the way because they didn't feel that I was listening to them, you know, and I, and I found later in 
when I was treating patients that if I just slowed down and did a little better job of going, why are you here? What is it that you really want me to help you get to? Um, and then tie that into my plan of care and sort of help connect the dots around what they really want to have happen. Uh, everything worked out better. So um, that's the first key. You have to make sure that you understand why that person's there. Because when you're talking about asking somebody for money on top of whatever the insurance is going to pay, now that person's looking at you with a much more critical eye. So knowing who's in front of you is important. So if you have a weekend warrior that maybe you know has a sprained strain or you know hurt their back and they have an event that's coming up in a few weeks, well, okay, that person's going to be highly motivated to do everything and anything they can to make that goal happen within a small amount of time. So the conversation you're having with that person and how something like a laser or a shockwave is going to help them get there is different than if you have the guy who says, yeah, you know what, I'm only here because my wife made me come. I got this three out of 10 pain and I've had it forever. You know, it'd be nice for it to go away, but it doesn't really limit me that much. I can do most of what I want to do. If you can help me, that's great. But if not, you know, it's, I, I'm not expecting miracles, right? That guy's got a whole different approach, right? I mean, so could the laser help that guy? Yes, but how you couch it or how you frame that discussion is going to be very different than the person that is trying to get ready for the race in three weeks. So I think knowing your target audience and who's in front of you is another key factor. And then, you know, the last piece is just to make sure you have the right tool for the job. So if you have, uh, you know, all lasers are not equal, I think you've got a little bit of feel for that based on what we've talked about today. I mean, you could be a great clinician and if you're putting something that doesn't have the capacity to change their pain today on that patient, well, you're gonna have a lot harder time than maybe a mediocre person who has a device that can take pain away very quickly and after they're done with the treatment, say, what do you think? Um, those discussions will be a lot easier for the person that has the, the thing that help bring their pain score down. So I think the, the thing, and we at Lightforce do have done a great job historically in helping give tools of education on how to do this. So you're not out there on your own trying to figure it out. We've got a, you know, pretty much a recipe and a playbook and scripts on how to help your front desk all the way back to the therapist and the person who does the collecting at the front. So you don't have to figure it all out. We've pretty much done that for you. But, um, you know, the, the, the nice thing is that once you start getting things clicking and you understand this process, the nice thing is the, the demonstration of the laser, you know, showing the person how it will work will pretty much sell itself. So you don't have to have this big campaign on the patient. And then the thing we have to remind people is that you're just making your best recommendation for that patient. So as the therapist or the clinician, you're not saying, hey, you got to do this or I can't treat you. No, you're just saying, hey, if you were my mom, you know, this is what I'd recommend. You know, and you give them the best plan of care you possibly have in your back pocket. And maybe that includes some cash pay devices and maybe it doesn't. But you're going to say, this is what I think is best for you. And if they go, great, then you're off to the races. You know, if they go, well, that sounds okay, but I don't know if I can do that. Now you're going to have a discussion on why. And maybe you're recommending laser three times a week and they say, I can't really afford that. Can we do it twice a week? Would that still work? sure, you know, we can make that work. It might not be the best for your acute problem, but it's good enough. And so, yeah, let's do that. Um, but that's a discussion you're going to have. And, and the thing that I think most clinicians get caught up on is like, they, they get very scared of the fact that they're going to say something like, hey, I think you need to do X, Y, and Z, or do this thing for cash on top of that. And when the person's box at it or says, no, I don't know if I can do that, then all of a sudden the house is going to fall down. You know, you are not telling them what to do. You're just recommending what to do. And it's a joint discussion, you know, and once you come at it that way, it's like, hey, I'm the professional you came to see for some advice. I'm giving you my advice. Now do you want to take it? 
that's what makes it all go round and round. Um, but the, the pitfall that I hear a lot of the people that struggle is they're so nervous about asking for a dollar or two from a patient, they start turning it into, let me ask the patient what they should do. You know, so, you know, you've probably all heard this from one of your newer therapists. Um, yeah, we have this new program. Do you want to give it a shot or do you want to try it? And, you know, that kind of soft language, um, the analogy I give is if you went and saw your medical doctor because you had a sinus infection and you were looking for an antibiotic and he looked at you and said, do you want to try some amoxicillin? <laughs> you probably run out the door and rightly so if they weren't confident on telling you what you needed for the problem that you came in for. So in, in rehab medicine, we should be doing the exact same thing as far as the exercise we're asking them to do the supplements we're asking them to take, the treatments we're trying to provide, it's all prescriptive. And um, if you come from a prescriptive place that you're trying to work it out with the patient in front of you, it tends to work really, really well. Um, but if you fall on a few of those other things we were talking about, probably won't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, to shed uh, some color on that, the so six, I have six kids, um, four were, five for five so far in needing orthodontist orthodontic work. Um, they, they have a case presenter. So we go in for the x-rays, all the imaging, the diagnostic stuff. Then they do a case presentation at the next visit. They're frequently asking for five to $6,000 a, a case. And uh, there is no, it's, here's what successful treatment lo looks like. And I, I basically think of them as a guide, just walking me through and I, I see, you know, hundreds of other patients that I can see through there have done the same exact thing, if not thousands, right? And I, I think, uh, and if you're okay with it, I'd love to share what Bob Bocci had shared on stage um, at the events um, sure. in, in terms of rolling out Light Force. He did the trial, I believed you called it a demo. Quick disclaimer, um, you're going to want to check your, you know, uh, legalities in your state, your practice act, everything else about what you're allowed to do and not to do. Don't buy, obviously don't violate your insurance contracts, everything else. So we, um, or, or Bob shared what they would do as a trial. And this is what our group adopted as well, but a trial of the laser. So first visit is eval, usually some sort of manual therapy, um, any other modalities that were going to be in there and then exercise. So the person, the patient has that experience on visit two, they, they schedule a trial of uh, laser um, to augment the, the treatment. And then in visit three, Bob and his therapist would say, okay, now Mark, you've had you know, treatment without laser on visit one, you've had treatment with laser, which one would you prefer? And the patient says, well, I felt a lot better after visit two, that's what I want. And then he would say, okay, here's the packages. This is, I recommend, you know, package, we sell basically a good, better, best, a $400 package, a $800 package and a $1,200 package, roughly, which one, which one do you prefer? I recommend B based on, you know, what's going on with your shoulder. Um, how do you want to handle that? Right. And that's, that's what, again, we jokingly called it the bocce method because it, but it, <laughs> it worked mm -hmm. for, quite a few therapists. Um, so we adopted that. It worked very well. Um, is that pretty much in line with what you've seen work um, for clinicians? Yeah, there's different flavors of it. Um, 
And I, I think the one thing you pointed out, and it's a word that sometimes goes by quickly, but just to make sure you heard it, is you recommend something with some basis to it. So if you say, hey, I think you need a package of six visits, you need to have the why for that patient. And you say, hey, if you came in 10 days after an injury, you know, you're right on the cusp of getting out of the inflammation phase, I really want to get you well into tissue healing and out of pain so that we can really push your program. That's going to take two treatments a week for three weeks to really get you where you need to be so that you can start to do the more resistive stuff that you'll need to get back to fill in the blank for their goal. If you explain it that way, like why you're expecting them to do six visits or even 10, like if, hey, you have diabetic neuropathy. This is going to be something that might require 20 visits, you know, over the span of months because of the nature of that pathology. If you put the explanation down and they get it and they see some result, you'd be surprised what people will come out of their pocket. Um, I saw uh, it was a breakthrough clinic, actually. Um, one of the early installs I did, they had a patient that had a really horrible experience with a couple knee revisions and uh, was sort of just struggling to get about 70 degrees of knee flexion. And they had done everything under the sun to try to help this person out. And we're just sort of, you know, like, hey, we're stuck. This is the best we can get. Um, very nice lady. And they treated her with the laser. And, and she picked up about maybe eight to 10 degrees of flexion, which for most of you would go, eh. But you have to understand they were working with this lady for months trying to get range and they couldn't move the needle. And she picked up eight degrees within five minutes. And she just said, here's my credit card. I'll take 20 visits because this is the best I've felt in months. So, I mean, not a single conversation about a package or whatever, just was like, I want to do this because it's helped. So it can be that dramatic. I'll, I'll share with you guys the best practice that I've heard with the how to do this um, demonstration business with the laser. And it, it came from a very successful uh, podiatrist in Newport Beach that uses our equipment. And the way he does it is he refers to it as a risk-free trial meaning that you're not giving away the treatment for that first day. You're just saying, hey, I'm going to do this treatment. I'm so confident it's going to help you. If you don't like it or you think it didn't do anything, then it's on me. So you as a practitioner are going to assume the risk. You're going to say, I'll take the, I'll take the hit if you don't want to do this when you come back on day two. But if you come back on day two, which I'm guessing you're going to, and tell me how much better this you feel because of this, we'll get the package of this in your program. And today was the first visit. So the nice thing is that you're capturing revenue for that first day, but at the same time, the patient has basically got a 100% risk-free guarantee that, you know, if they don't like it, you know, there's nothing extra to the visit as far as the laser goes. So uh, every, every clinic I've talked to that with that strategy has loved it and, uh, and run with it and done really well. Um, no, I don't know too many patients that are going to get upset with you for giving them a, a guaranteed treatment um, that if they don't like it, it's no charge. So Great. The, uh, so when I ask you about shockwave, um, that is uh, new to me. So what, um, yeah, same idea there that we went through laser. Um, how does it work? Let's start there. How does it work? Yeah. Yep. So, so what's interesting, you're not alone. I mean, in the international community, international PT community, shockwave, very, very uh, common, almost standard practice, US PT people barely heard of it, right? So it's just starting to get some legs here in the United States. Um, but the general deal is that it's, think of it as an ultrasound on steroids. So it's about a thousand times more powerful wave. Uh, and it's basically a really sharp positive that's followed by a quick negative pulse. And it has the ability to make 
cavitation happen in cells. So just imagine you're putting sound waves on tissue or, or a cell that's damaged, it shakes it up really well. And in doing so, if the membrane can't sustain it, it's gonna basically cause that cell to die, <clears throat> which will then cause the body to come in and replace it, gobble it up with macrophages and start laying down new tissue. Um, for those cells that can withstand it, it causes increased activity in the cell's boxes, pulling on different proteins and things in the cell that have the ability to impact the nucleus and what have you. So it's been shown to increase fibroblastic activity um, and growth factors and things of that nature increase uh, blood flow. Basically, it's a pro-inflammatory modality. So you're causing some low-level inflammation that basically is going to restart the inflammatory process. So for those folks that are out there grastening people and really rubbing hard on tendons, or they're using dry needle equipment to pepper a tendon to cause it to bleed, guess what? You're trying to do the exact same thing as this is doing, except it's much more elegant in, in how it goes about it. Um, so think of it as you're stirring up something that's had you know, a, a recalcitrant you know, tendinosis, like in an elbow, a tennis elbow, the person came in and said, I've had this for five, six months, right? Um, we know how hard those patients are to deal with. What this is going to do, in addition to your eccentrics and range of motion and soft tissue work you might do, it's going to cause that tendon that is now most likely a degenerative tendinopathy to get possibly some better angiogenesis, get some better blood flow to it, get you know new um, collagen to lay down from the tenocytes and the tenoblasts, uh, which otherwise probably wouldn't happen. You know, I mean, maybe maybe you could make it happen with your grassing technique or peppering it. Um, but some people don't like getting needles stuck in their elbow. You know, um, the, the thing about it is that it's not, it differs from the laser and that it generally isn't one of those things you do. And they go, oh, that took my pain away. It feels great. It's generally a little uncomfortable while it's going on because you're finding a spot. Like imagine you have a, any kind of tendinopathy and you push on it, right? You're basically pinging away on that sore spot. So there's a little bit of grin and bear it for about a minute, minute and a half usually until you get some adoption that takes place. Some of the central pathways with descending, you know, inhibition will kick in and all of a sudden the patient will go, yeah, it doesn't feel so bad. <clears throat> and it's one of those that kind of it, like it hurts so good. So for people that have had a chronic thing and uh, I'll use myself as an example. Again, I had the knee surgery last year wasn't enough. So I figured I'm going to get my shoulder done too because I needed a decompression. <laughs> so uh, December, they hacked off the end of my collarbone and, <clears throat> you know, I was using laser to treat that. And it was doing well. My range was pretty good. But, you know, two months out, I just, they really had moved around and scraped my bicipital tendon. I begged the orthopedic surgeon not to clip it. You know, it's like, unless it looks horrendous, please leave it alone. I want my original equipment in there. And uh, he's like, well, okay. You know, so he, did, he left it alone, but he didn't tell me. I had to read the surgical report. You know, he really like scraped it a lot to try to get some blood flow to come into it. And I was like, why is it so sore? You know, and then I read the report. I was like, oh, of course, right? But I was treating it with the laser and the spot on the posterior aspect of the collarbone where they had done the cutting, there was a spot in there that we could really sore too. And the laser just didn't seem to resolve it. Um, and I just used my radial pressure wave over the bicipital groove. And then back here, it was about four or five treatments total over a few weeks. And uh, it took care of it. You know, I haven't had any pain or problems or us, you know, with that stuff since. So um, the, the thing about this sound wave technology is that sound waves go through tissue a lot easier than light. So your ability to reach depth with these devices is much easier. Um, and the place where they really shine is in recalcitrant tendinopathy. So if you had a degenerative tendinopathy or something that's very uh, long, that's been around for quite a while, so plantar fasciitis, heel pain, those types of patients that we know are so hard to address, 
Ely's tendinopathies that have you know been around for quite a while, this is the device that can really help turn that around because you're basically just invigorating the healing process to restart. Um, and there's there's lots of research to support uh, chronic tendinopathy with this technology. So uh, it's good stuff as far as having another bullet in your gun. Great. Um, any other uh, indications or contraindications for shockwave mark? They're very similar to the to the laser, believe it or not. The one difference is you can't treat around uh, cemented joints with that device because they don't want it to, you know, possibly loosen it up. So if you have a total joint, you wouldn't want to be using, you know, shockwave around it. But same thing with growth plates, you want to be careful around that, um, active cancer, things of that nature. But there are some indications if you're using super high powered, like focus shockwave around lung fields um, to try to avoid that. But if you're in the more modest ranges, that's generally not a big deal. You just try to angle treatment away from those to accommodate. So. Okay, and the, the dosage with regards to time is similar, five to 10 minutes or so? Yeah, so it sort of depends on the equipment you have. Um, there's sort of two general families in the shockwave world. There's the focus shockwave, which is a convergent wave, and the nature of just the head that creates that pulse. It's a very uh, slow frequency. So like the, the, the product that we have with Chattanooga, the highest frequency is at eight hertz. Um, whereas the radial pressure wave is a different mechanism and it can go a lot quicker. Uh, it's a divergent wave so that it's uh, the, the way that it interacts with tissue is a little bit different. So dosing is a little bit different, but those treatments are faster because you can go up to 21 hertz with that. So when you look at the dosing literature, basically you're going to be providing somewhere between 1,000 to 2,000 pulses per treatment per spot. So you can use it on trigger spots as well as the primary tendinopathy but you figure you're probably gonna be treating two or three spots in a given treatment. Um, so the faster that you can produce the, the burst of energy, the quicker those treatments will be. So depending on which equipment you have, it could take a little bit longer um, than the other. But yeah, I mean, generally you're probably looking at about, you know, two to three minutes a spot on average. Um, so if you're treating a couple spots, you know, you're probably, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per treatment would be about the norm. Okay. Um, for Owners that are looking to um, investigate or they, they want to take a look at either the light force laser or the shockwave therapies, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you and your group? Yeah, so the nice thing is we have a whole bunch of websites right now that are <laughs> in the process of getting married together. But uh, if you go to lightforcemedical.com, you can go there, uh, request a demo or information. That, that's an easy way to get hooked up. You can also go to the Chattanooga websites uh, or even the DJO ones. There's all ways to kind of channel back, but probably, believe it or not, the most direct way is just go to lightforcemedical.com and uh, request a demo and that'll, that'll get Great. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say, which I think is super important is many times as owners will uh, we go to an event, we go to a conference, we buy a piece of equipment. And then, uh, you know, I've talked with so many owners that, you know, now they have a piece of equipment over in the corner that they store the, the uh, hot pack covers on. Uh, they use it as a drying rack. And I know um, you and your team, you've traveled. I've been lucky enough where you've traveled here uh, to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the, the destination capital of the world, right? Who wouldn't want to come to Harrisburg? What? <laughs> And I, I think you've been here more than once too, Mark. So I, I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, yeah, special place in my heart just for you uh, for being here because I know it's 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 a rough spot to get to. 
uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, you and your team do a beautiful job onboarding, uh, making sure that clinicians are uh, comfortable, they understand, uh, you know, everything from a science perspective with regards to dosage and utilization, um, et cetera. I think you even do a certification, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when you do the training, you will get certified, you know, for that training session. So you'll get a nice uh, certificate you can put up on the wall and frame it, you know, you know, mom sign it, you know. Uh, but yeah, for sure. And uh, the nice thing is that we're trying, you know, to sort of grow, grow our bag of things that we can help you out with. So uh, for those of you that want to hear about laser, no problem. But if you're interested in hearing about Shockwave, uh, we can do that at the same visit and show you what that's about, and demo that for you. And then if you're just looking for just general stuff that you need to upgrade the clinic with maybe a new high low table or hydroactivator or what have you, we got that whole line of stuff too. So we really are trying to help promote the fact that we can help you on a lot of different ends of, you know, from the most basic needs for your clinic to the more technological side of things. And that's where my, myself and my team is uh, entrenched is to help make sure that you guys understand and know how to apply it, give you the research you need to help make your uh, staff comfortable with understanding it so that you can knock it out of the park with your, uh, with your patients and your outcomes. Awesome. Mark Hallinan, um, I, so on behalf selfishly of my private practice group. Um, I know we've benefited uh, tremendously from working with you. So thank you for everything you do. I know many other uh, breakthrough owners as well have benefited from uh, their relationship with Lightforce and Chattanooga and uh, Donjoy as well. So thanks for everything you do, Mark. Dan, I throw it back to you. You know, I mean, the work that you guys are doing to help private practice, you know, bob and weave and survive in those troubled waters out there. I mean, the information you're providing to the breakthrough community is invaluable. So, uh, you know, thanks so much for helping out as many private practices as you are. Um, all we can do to help with bolstering the message, we're, we're here side by side to do it and happy awesome. to do it. Thank you, sir. And uh, thank you to everybody listening. And we will see you on the next episode. See ya. Thanks. Remember to visit getbreakthrough.com to access our free resource library designed specifically for private practice growth. While you're there, Make sure you register for a complimentary growth assessment to learn about potential opportunities for growth in your local market. Again, thank you for tuning into the Grow Your Practice podcast and supporting our mission to help people in pain get back to normal naturally.